inhaling frequencies are open. Welcome, welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. Welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. Are you out of your mind? Watch and learn. This is going to be awesome. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. You are stopping to the core. I can smell it on you. Join us as we dive into the newest content coming available, as well as retrospectives of the past series and films. Do we need a mutiny today to prove who we are? Now, on with the show. We've only just begun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. My name is Sean Ray. And I find that the best way to diffuse tension is to apply rigorous logic. Joining me tonight in the historic Infinite Potato Studios, we have Jen. How's it going? Uh, it's all right. I, I still wonder how you do get a, you know, a comet to go around a planet. Like, anyway, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Dave is here as well. How's it going, sir? Hey, man, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm glad and you're Rick doing is, pretty good. And Rick is here. How are you, sir? Masaka is waking. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, we will be discussing the second episode of season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which was titled Children of the Comet, written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Sarah Tarkov, directed by Maha Vervio. And or the original release date, of course, was May 12th, 2022. An ancient alien relic thwarts the Enterprise crew from rerouting a comet on track to strike an inhabited planet. Jim, what'd you think of this episode? I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the first episode, but I did like it quite a bit. It gave a lot of uh, focus on Ohura, uh, since she's the newbie, uh, which includes, included a very cute hazing scene, which we'll surely talk about, um, and focused on the actress's singing background quite a bit which I thought was wonderful considering Nichelle also has a, had a singing background. Um, so I, I think it was, there are a couple of things that I'm kind of like, eh, but for the most part, I enjoyed the episode. <laughs> All right. Dave, what about you? Um, I liked it more than the first episode. I thought it got a little uh, sloggy in the middle, a little boring right there in the middle, but uh, I did really, I loved all the stuff with Sam Kirk. I love that they reproduce the scene of them flipping him over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it was mostly enjoyable. I thought I, I really loved the, um, the opening with, with, uh, with Pike and his uh, crew for the, uh, for the ribs, the cookout. And um, I did really like that. They uh, tied in, one, they tied in the singing because Ahura definitely sang in the original series. So they brought that in and I, they gave her a more character development in this one episode that she's had in 60 years. Yeah. So that's sad and nice. Um, but yeah, I, I was a little disappointed because I thought it was going to like, you hear children of the comet, you think it's going to be like a heaven's, you know, heaven's gate kind of thing. I was thinking children <laughs> of the corn when I, when I heard that title. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like an alien cult worshiping a comet that was doomed to destroy them. And, you know, but I was, I was fine with what we got. I, I really love uh, episodes that are like, you know, Oh, this prophecy, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like <laughs> prophecy. We have science. <laughs> and then it turns out that somehow the prophecy was true. And they're like, Oh man, you don't know how to explain this shit. One thing I like, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the guy that keeps comparing this to Discovery, but one thing I like about this show is that from the very beginning, a lot of these background bridge characters are getting more to do, more to say, mm -hmm. other than just what happens in the heat of a battle or whatever, than than what they've done with on uh, on Discovery so far. 
but um i've re- i really enjoyed the episode i liked the, the character interactions i liked the not just the fact that uh uhura got the same because she sang on tos but she sang with spock right which also she happened sang to TOS. with spock yeah on tos <laughs> and um and uh i'm seeing a few things on the ship about the the tech that's kind of throwing me because the the enterprise is not like a huge ship but kirk really got screwed on the refit with his quarters because pike's quarters were (laughs) he's got some nice digs man i'm 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 not i i had the same thing i was like jesus christ that's huge but i don't know that those were his quarters those might have been like the officer's lounge or something they didn't, they didn't it could have been i never i didn't see a no it was his quarters you know i didn't see a bed or anything like that but i <laughs> yeah I, I think it was his quarters but... i thought it was his ready room but but yeah I... like kurt yeah kurt got to you know a room and a half <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um you hear that Scotty line from Relics? Not even a captain would have had this. <laughs> the only thing, one thing that threw me was the when they went down to the comet and they were wearing those bio suits. We saw Discovery wearing very similar bio suits that were made of programmable matter last season, but they're 900 years in the future and these things look a lot like that. okay <laughs> first of all i want to i want okay you you haven't asked me yet so oh, uh, i was going yeah we, you were next yeah okay <laughs> so i don't, I don't want to jump ahead no go ahead but uh you know a spacesuit's a spacesuit we uh you know there's only so much you can do with a spacesuit and i loved that they made an homage to those god-awful spacesuits from tos with that little plat the, the colored plastic panel on the front on the chest plate of these spacesuits. Yeah, but they didn't have the weird tall thing with the gold cover. Yeah, I mean, it was it was you know 1966, and they had, you know <laughs> they had to come up with something, and they were awful. Even then, we were like, yep. what the hell are those supposed to be? But I like how they how they they did an homage, an homage to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I like this episode. Uh, it's very you know it's straddling a line for me or it's walking right up to a line between homage and pandering, but not pandering in a good way. Cause I know I've, I've admitted, I, I don't mind being pandered to, but you know, this is for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky or masks as I alluded to at the beginning. Um, you know, the asteroid slash comet slash thing traveling through space that we think is just a, a chunk of debris and is actually a vessel or whatever, uh, you know, it's been done before on Star Trek. And I, 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 I kind of like the throwback. Um, I like the episodic nature of the show so far. Um, I'm loving all the characterizations. Uh, I just, I would, you know, like, like I said, with, with the JJ Abrams stuff, you know, after Star Trek 2009, I was like, okay, this was cool. You know, I didn't particularly care for the story. I don't like the visual aesthetic, but the, the, the characters are awesome. The actors are awesome. Let's go on from there and do our own thing. And then they didn't until, until beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see Strange New Worlds say, okay, we've established what we're doing. We've set the hook. Now let's do our own stories instead of just kind of doing throwbacks to TOS. That being said, I am so smitten with Uhura, and I, 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 I had the, the IMDb page up before, and I, I shut it down because I'm stupid. The, 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 the woman who's playing Uhura is amazing. I know her last name is Gooding. Um, Celia Rose Gooding. There you go. I think it's, it's interesting that they're kind of setting up a bit of a triangle with Uhura, Chapel, and Spock. Uh, I hope they don't take it too far but I'm, I'm along for the ride right now. I hope they do. <laughs> well, I, I'm just happy they're giving Chapel more characterization because she was kind of there in TOS. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she's kind of turning into my favorite character on this You were saying she's yeah. very spunky. Yeah. <laughs> am, I the, am I the only one who thought that the, the dress uniform looked a lot like the Lower Decks uniforms? Yeah, it, it might have been intentional. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought it looked like Star Trek Online. When they said that it was too. a dress uniform, I was like, that doesn't like look dressy. That just looks like it should be a regular uniform. <laughs> However, 
she wore it well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, pardon me. Pardon me for being, you know, a, a, a piggy guy for a second. Damn. <laughs> well, I was saying that when I, because I rewatched the first episode too, and I was like, hmm, Ethan Peck's workout routine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I, I, yes. That, that's how I live with myself. I am a straight. I am a straight man. Even when I saw Ethan Peck, I went, "I do get it." Damn. <laughs> and I love that line. That I don't that, disagree. Yeah, and that Debris said, "Yes, you interrupted what we're." Oh, oh. <laughs> Spocker, okay, so I have Spocker, a, you he, naked. <laughs> He would have been if you hadn't interrupted us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a quick question. Speaking of the bridge crew, is Ortegas meant to be non-binary? I don't. They haven't said specifically. Because I've heard some people call Ortegas she. But to me, they appear to me anyway as non-binary. So I just wanted to see what your guys' opinion was. I, I have not heard any any uh, you know direct references to them be, being non-binary. Yeah, I think at this point everyone's just sort of projecting whatever they want it to be at this point. Like we don't know. Yeah, they haven't they haven't said, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised because, like I said last week, this this show is a direct spinoff from Discovery, and Discovery mm-hmm. tackles all that stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, so right. Um, I did kind of Google Ortegas while you were talking, and uh, mm-hmm. I, this I didn't realize. Gene Rodberry in the uh, in the original series, some of the scripts, the pilot was Ortegas in the script, but was mm-hmm. never actually called that on screen. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is supposed to be the same person. I don't know. Well, wasn't oh man, I'm I'm one of the the bridge crew had a had a a, a Hispanic name, but they were like whiter than I am <laughs> uh, in the yeah. cage. Um, I wonder if we'll see Piper. I wonder if they're going to bring Piper in at any point. Mm. Mbango was not in this episode at all, which was no, which is odd that he person. wouldn't have been. Which is odd that he wouldn't have been at that uh, at the dinner with everybody else. But you know, yeah. Um, okay, so that 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 first scene where they're um, where they're having dinner together, and uh, it's kind of a throwback to you know Archer used to have dinner with with different members of the crew, but it was usually just one at a time. He didn't usually invite. 15 well, people. He didn't have an aircraft hangar for... for. <laughs> I to, but I remember Cisco inviting a lot of the senior staff for... Yeah, for the ops crew dinner. would come over for dinner sometimes. Well, the cap- the captain's mess is a, is a, you know, it's a naval tradition, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Watch me it. pick tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, Picard wasn't really into it. But now Riker would have everybody come over and watch him scramble some eggs on the on the table. <laughs> or play but, trombone. I don't or or screw, <laughs> screw, screw up some eggs. To, yeah. But we get to Delicious. we get to meet uh, Hemmer, uh, who is the new chief engineer, and he's uh, he's a- Anar. Is that how you pronounce it? Anar, yeah, yeah. Anar, yeah, which is a subspecies of the Andorians, and they're blind. And we met them on Enterprise. I think we've only seen two other Anar characters yeah. uh, in Star Trek before this. Uh, but I, I, I did like that scene where he and Spock were kind of teaming up and. <laughs> pulling a little prank on Uhura there but I felt like that was kind of a nice little callback to uh early TOS episodes where you just see like shenanigans happening and Spock standing over there like leaning against the wall smirking like (laughs) dumb asses (laughs) (laughs) uh but we get this whole backstory from uh Uhura that her parents were killed in a shuttle accident and is that a, is that like a Starfleet requirement? You can't join unless your parents have been horribly <laughs> like murdered. Somehow. At least one of them. <laughs> it's just it's like, like superheroes. The, it's like the Disney. It's like the Disney version. You know, you have to your your characters have to have at least one dead parent to <laughs> to be part you know, of it. You know why though? It's a it's an old script writing rule. Like if you want your character to be instantly likable, you do the thing that ever the audience fears most. All right, you kill the care, you kill the character's mothers or their parents, both of them. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, they lost their parents. They're you make them instantly likable, or yeah. kill a sibling that's a younger sibling. That works too. Yeah, Except, yeah. Star Trek has taken that 
way too far. <laughs> they take a lot of things way too far. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice if just one Starfleet member had like a great relationship with their actual parents. Like, well, I mean, Jordy had a great relationship with his parents. His mother didn't die until he was grown. You know, so I mean, it wasn't. That may have been part of his problem with women. I mean, everybody's parents died eventually, but <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty crappy love life for the most part. Yeah. But hey, but yeah, like it's, I mean, how many characters? Why does everyone, every Starfleet member, and every alien that interacts with Starfleet know Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's better in the original Klingon, you know? because it's they don't, public domain. Yeah, because they don't have to pay for it. <laughs> um so she tells that she tells that story and she kind of she says that she's not sure if she wants to be a starfleet officer because she kind of went to starfleet just because she couldn't go to the college in kenya where her parents had had taught she just she kind of ran away from it and ran Mm -hmm. to starfleet and spock pretty much tells her you know i understand but you might want to make room for somebody else to have a spot if you're not gonna if you're not going to use this, you know, so. See, I had a problem with that, with that coming from Spock. I understood the, the conversation, but I would have liked it to have been somebody other than Spock that said it, because that's not a very logical tack. And while, yes, I know that Spock is far more emotional than, uh, you know, than we have been led to believe over the years. And we, we've seen a lot of really good portrayals of Vulcans having emotions and not necessarily controlling them completely. Yeah. That to me sounded a little more, a little too much too human coming from Spock. You know, if Chapel had said it or even if Pike had said it yeah, or even Guy Fleet, I mean, George Kirk <laughs> said it. Um, Sam Kirk, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, 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 the jokes about him having Guy Fleegman, energy are just too hilarious <laughs> i was gonna well i was gonna make a comment i think he's gonna be either uh, you could say he's either check off because check off always gotten like touched everything ah! or or you could say he's the kenny of the new star trek because <laughs> he keeps i love i saw somebody on one of the one of the um one of the facebook groups that i belong to somebody that apparently didn't watch a whole lot of tos that is watching this comment is like i got a feeling that uh sam's gonna die before the end of the season and, uh, and somebody commented <laughs> who wants to tell her <laughs> <laughs> so far he reminds me of ted lasso yeah. kind of, well, yeah. the mustache. i haven't i, I need totally to watch that it. show i keep forgetting i really like the mustache Same. or i'm starting to like the mustache he's yeah. just like oh come on over here. it ain't gonna be no big thing i'm just gonna walk over <laughs> here and touch this egg <laughs> that's why i'm saying he's the check off is a check off every time they went to a new planet he's like i have to touch this <laughs> I, I had to explain george kirk to to my wife because she didn't know and I, 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 maybe a lot of y'all don't know but in tos there was an episode called operation annihilate where you may know it because it's the one with the frying flight fried eggs that mm. drove spock insane um and at the beginning of that episode kirk finds his brother george samuel kirk who's mentioned in what are little girls made of in season one um dead on this planet and the body is played by shatner with this really bad mustache (laughs) yeah i i love the people who were like who thought that they were twins that they were intended to be twins (laughs) yeah that was you know kirk had a twin brother it's like no he didn't he just a lot of people have a brother that they they look like and doesn't mean that they're twins um, I, the older my brother and I get, the more like we look, and it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad and his uncles. Now, Dave, I did think about you when uh, uh, oh, Pike boy. Pike was having the the flash forward to his uh, melty face later on. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I did I did, I did like the the touch of when he asked her, oh, "Where do you think you're going to be in ten years?" And he chokes when he says that. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but then they had to hang a lantern on it and they had to have a conversation with number one. And she and she's like, is it because of the thing that you told me about what you saw? <laughs> is it because well, you're going to be like all melted in 10 years? Is that like, <laughs> I was like, we don't want to, are we really going to go back and talk about this every episode? I understand. And, and somebody uh, on one of the Facebook groups uh, said, uh, how, how is Pike able to go on 
knowing that this is going to happen. And I commented, and I said, look, at some point, it just becomes part of his mind. It's just out there. And then one day he'll be in the situation and he'll realize, oh, oh, shit, this is it. You know, <laughs> he, he won't. It's not like he's going to wake up one morning and say, well, today's the day. I'm going to die today. It'll just yeah. it'll dawn on him at the last minute. Oh, yeah, th- this is where I am. I mean, most people sometime in their 30s realizes they wake up and their back goes out and something horrible. And they go, oh, I'm going to die probably a horrible death. <laughs> well, got to go to the office. All death sucks. Um, think, think about it this way. Um, two years ago. Now, I can remember. I don't remember the date or anything, but there, there was a day, a moment, a few minutes where... COVID was brand new. Everything had been shut down. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. We didn't know what the hell was coming. And I had a, I panicked mm-hmm. about, we don't know how this is going to end. You know, a lot of times when we get into a, a, a bad situation, we're like, all right, I just need to hang on until. And we had no idea what until would be. And I lost my shit. I, I was sitting in this chair, looking at this screen, freaking the f- out. Pardon my French. And I think about that moment two and a half years later. We're not done with this. <laughs> it hasn't gone away. But I'm not freaking out anymore. He, you know, there is this moment where when we're in a stressful situation, when we're in a desperate situation, we lose our cra- our shit, and then we either completely fall apart and die, or we get past it. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're watching Pike go through right now. And I don't think I could have related to this two years ago. If this season, if this series had come out before Discovery or before COVID, I don't think I could have related to what Pike is going through. And I don't think Anson Mount could have portrayed it as well as yeah. he does, or the writers yeah. could have done it. Um, you know, we've all been through this. And we still don't know what the end of the, the end game is. We finally, you know, we've come to grips with it. You know, we're like, all right, we're going to have to get a shot every year. We've been doing that with flu for, you know, forever. Yeah. Um, but there was a time when we didn't, you know, and, and this is not the first pandemic for, you know, people my age. And, you, you know, y'all might remember, you know, back in the 80s when AIDS hit. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and so. I, th- I think the way they're writing Pike is brilliant because they're not, I mean, yeah, if they keep really hammering on this through the whole season, uh, it- it'll get annoying. But like, he's no longer seeing his melty face in every reflected surface or anything, but of course it's going to bug him. If yeah. it didn't, I would have more of a problem with that. Well, I had and, a, and- um, I was thinking as I was watching it uh, the second time that I saw the episode, there were, I used to work with this guy. He had a brother that went to the doctor one day and the doctor told him that he had an aneurysm and basically, basically told him this is what's going to kill you. 90%. I'm 90% sure unless you have a car wreck or something like that, this is probably what's going to kill you unless, you know, it, it could be tomorrow and it might be 15 years from now. But one day, you're going to get up out of your chair and that's going to be it. You know, I, I don't think he quite said it as blatantly as I just did. He probably did. My, I, I had a, my, my surrogate mom had the same exact thing. Her aorta blew up. Yeah. And the doctor said, we can't op- You won't survive a surgery on it. Yeah. It's just one of these days it's going to pop and you're, you're, you're not going to know it. And that's it. And, and, and I heard that and I was like, man, how do you get by? knowing that and you you know it's going it's going to happen you don't know when it's going to happen you know but eventually you just it's you just make the best of what you've got you know yeah it's the same with people who have cancer you know it's like it's coming it's just a matter of when and how drastic it's going to be you know something i've noticed about people about human beings is that if a a if a stressful situation goes on long enough you get used to it yeah mm-hmm. yep if we get to like episode six and the transporter chief is like 
So did you get weird about when I mentioned fondue because of that thing you told me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the comment itself. So I, I, I have a question from the beginning. I know okay. that the prime directive is a new thing on this show. They, they were, were at general, general order, order one. one. Now they, Until the they, end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> they called it, they called it the prime directive at the end of, uh, Oh, that's right. The end of the first one. episode. Yeah. Um, oh, was that episode one? Oh, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, isn't it a complete violation of the prime directive to push that comment out of the way? It is now. At the, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, okay, think about how many times Kirk went, eh, we don't like what you're doing. You're stagnant. Let's blow up your computers. Um, mm-hmm, I, don't, yeah. I don't, you know, they, it, it's the whole point of what they're doing is that general order one slash the prime directive is still in its infancy mm. and so they're like as long as the people on the planet don't know what we did yeah we're good but when you think about it they because there was an episode of enterprise where uh flocks would not yeah. treat the plague on the planet because it he would interfere with the revolution yeah, yeah he actually he made a them. cure or found a cure or something like that and he had to make the decision not to interfere. It was sad. So if this if this comment is coming, pals. what's that? Pen pals, TNG. That too. Yeah. Sarjenka. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. Know, if everything it, was all prime directive until Picard heard her voice, and then he went, "Oh God damn it, Data! All right." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I a mean, living, it's, breathing document. It's it's not a hardline thing I think. when you really think about it if this comment is headed right for the planet and you push it out of the way then that that planet being destroyed may have been what allowed something else to grow in its place you know and you stopped that from happening <laughs> but but that's what the thing is that's that's kind of the one of the, the the points of this show of this series is that the prime directive is still in its infancy and captains have huge leeway with it and pike is not the kind of captain is he's not a picard who has grown up you know the the prime directive was not something that was you know written in stone from the minute he went to the academy you know pike is more archer and more you know more kirk and more we can fix this and not change this planet's culture Damn it, we're gonna do it. Well, they mm-hmm. certainly changed the culture in the first episode. Yeah. Well, they were they were that was a different situation. They, they caused that. They caused that in the first place. You know? I know, but, but still, yeah. But you know, they were also, you know, this planet, they didn't even have any, you know, they had no technology other than, you know, like wells and you know, textiles, because there was really cool robes they were wearing. But um I, I had no problem with it. And I'm, you know, I'm a prime directive purist. I kind of really dig it when they, they go, well, we can't. Um, I, I, there's been a lot of discussion over the last decade about whether the prime directive was really a good idea or not um, in, you know, in fandom. And there's been a lot of talk about that the prime directive was a, you know, a, a result of Roddenberry's views on uh, the Asian conflicts and that the U.S. shouldn't have gotten involved at all. And that's where the prime directive came from. Although I don't think Roddenberry came up with it. I think it was Gene Kuhn that came up with it. Um, Sounds right. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting to try to put it in historical context but even, you know, even without that, uh, I think Pike is, you know, it, there's still a lot of wiggle room in the early prime directive for Pike to go, no, we didn't let them see us do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, as soon as they found out the, the, the comment was artificial, then all bets are off. Then it's like, absolutely blow that shit up. And why does that comment have shields? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. That's what you know what's funny? My wife spotted that before I did because I, w- I was like not paying attention when they launched the, the probes and I saw the, 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 mm-hmm. the reaction, but it didn't sink in. And my wife went, 
why does that thing have a force field? And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> See, yeah. I was, I saw that and I went, somebody didn't render their VFX. <laughs> like, I didn't realize, I was like, oh, okay, it's, okay, force field, gotcha. <laughs> So they so they send uh, Spock and Lon Noonien Singh Uhura and Sam Kirk as uh, the landing party down to investigate the comet's mysteries. I like that it's not you know you get the sense on like TNG that when they decided that they're going to have uh, somebody go down to a planet or somebody go in this case a comet or something, Picard just he tells Riker go down. Riker just points at three people and says let's go. <laughs> and they set it up in this and was like no it's your turn you know you come with me you're you're the next one on the list so come on down <laughs> come on down you're the next contestant on the prices right <laughs> uh so that's how her gets to go on the uh on the landing party so uh was I Kurt, the only was i the but, only person who when she started humming i went oh that's how she's got to solve it like when she was in like at the the dinner or whatever and they had already said she was next up on rotation and she's humming and i'm like oh okay that's how they'll solve the, that'll solve the episode yeah <laughs> i, I want to ask a question to anyone mm-hmm. listening and i don't know if there's anyone out there that this applies to i really want to know if there's anyone watching strange new worlds that's hearing my voice uh in uh may of 2022 if you're hearing this in the 30th century don't bother i'm not around um that hasn't seen tos and doesn't know these characters because one of the problems i'm having with this show and they haven't hammered on it too hard yet but i'm getting whiffs of like solo where it was like everything we know about han solo has to be explained in this movie Mm -hmm. um (laughs) Is, Except is, for the fact that they don't act like the person we know. Uh, like yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are, are they leaning a little too hard into character traits? Or is it just because I know what's coming up? You mm-hmm. know, I know, I know what the future of these characters are. And I, it's impossible to be objective about this. And that's, I would love to know if anyone that hasn't seen TOS is watching the show and is listening to our show and has an opinion on this i don't think i I don't see how they could do it without doing that because um then you then it's just it could be any random person if if you're going to bring in uhura and you're not going to play on some of the stuff that we know about her from later then it could it could be anybody you know see i'm very 79 episodes she sang twice well Mm. yeah but but people remember (laughs) that you know star trek five yeah. Oh no! Don't go there, man. The no. fan dance. I'm going there. I want to see. I'm I want to see Celia Gooding do the fan dance. I know Rick does. <laughs> okay. Now. Yes, I, I'm there well, for that. But <laughs> I'm I'm very curious because like I want to know, like, because like yes, with certain characters, like I feel like uh, Celia is doing a great job playing Uhura. They're like playing into how we she presented on the original series quite a bit. Um, but then you have Chapel who really isn't anything like she was on the original no. series well original. she didn't have much of a character in the original series except she had she, the hots for spock she did though she was very like submissive and subdued like more than any of the other female characters that were heavily presented so like she almost like they they actively talk about her like she's just like some some sad old maid like yeah. mccoy mccoy is like ah, oh, she'll you never keep hoping like that was a dick thing to call her out in front of the captain too. Like, but stop TOS, bringing Spock soup. TOS scene? Did, Come not, on. Uh, did not portray women very well. I mean, it's like well, yeah, anything that, that you do with these characters is going to be better than what they did. They actually, almost seems more like Agnes Girardi than Christine Chapel. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Chapel had all that. Uh, the, I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, that Roger doctor. Corby. Yes, she ran after that dude for a while. Like. And then something bad happened there, and like, I, if are they going to bring that in? Is how much are they going to change it, or are they just going to say like, oh, Christine's behavior in the original series because she's already hitting on Spock here, and then like 
some 10, 15 years later, she's <laughs> still bringing him soup and being like, please like me. That's going to be real <laughs> sad. And it actually ties into an observation that I noticed is when Uhura's like, well, I'm actually your girlfriend. And immediately Spock went, he knew exactly who Uhura was talking about. That I thought was actually quite interesting. Mm. Like, Nurse Chapel is not my girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in TOS, you know, I, I know that, you know, canon is a fluid thing and we don't always have to, that, you know, the, the writers don't have to slavishly adhere to what's what's gone before. But it, in, in What Are Little Girls Made Of, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the reason Christine Chapel joined Starfleet was to find Roger Corby. Mm. Oh, really? Because they were engaged mm. and okay. he disappeared. Um, yeah, I didn't remember what exactly the, the relationship was or, you know, I can't remember things. <laughs> when Uhura's first, you know, Uhura and Spock first start to figure out that the harmonics from singing is the key to opening this egg, uh, did did anybody think that they were singing the notes from uh, to, uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Kind of. I thought that's what they were going to do. That's what they were doing at first, and it wasn't. So <laughs> it, it reminded me more of the uh, the 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 episode, the Paradise Syndrome, where the the, the god awful Native American episode from TOS. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the obelisk that was on the planet to defend it from the asteroids was triggered by musical notes yeah yeah i like that episode screw yeah. you um. I, I... <laughs> let's just say it's culturally insensitive well everything was back in the 60s i am kira <laughs> you know i didn't notice like my family we have native american we all in our blood like not a lot at this point but you know a generation or two ago like we actually had some, a couple of full-blooded uh, Native Americans, and we just had stuff all over our house. We had like dream catchers, and we were like, my dad was super into it and collected old arrowheads. I just didn't think anything about it, like when I was a kid. So to me, like that episode was much more about like Kirk had a life. It's almost like inner light for for Kirk, where he's like, yeah. he had a wife, he had you know a kid on the way, and he lost everything. Like that was, and months went by in the span of that episode. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I really like that episode but yeah yeah i totally get it like i was just re-watching voyager and chakota kept saying indians and i was like oh stop and it's all wrong it's all wrong <laughs> well you, you, you know the story of of the 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 native american consultant on voyager yeah that yes was, was yes the, this dude who was a he was a, if for folks out there if you don't know uh-huh. I, I forget his name but it was bullshit anyway he was like a fraud he was like from new york mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, he he portrayed himself as a Native American and he consulted on a lot of shit. And he was not in and he wasn't even remotely Native American. The problem is he had been exposed before Voyager hired him oh. as a Native American consultant. So all of the Native American crap that Chicote did, all that Akuchi Moya bullshit, was exactly that. <laughs> this guy was well. like already exposed as a fraud and they still hired him for the show well voyager voyager failed because they couldn't even hire a native american actor to portray their native american character you know i mean looking all the way back to you remember the crying indian commercials for the litter he was a spaniard no he's jewish i thought he was from spain i heard he was italian and but it, um, but it's Italian. Yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. you're right. You're right. I, I thought I read he was Jewish. But anyway, yeah. I was about to say, not it's not probably, Native American at all. Everyone's no. got a different story of what he actually was. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was probably just Native American. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to talk just for a second about the shepherds because uh, the 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 biggest thing that I liked about them is when they showed up and they said we're the shepherds and Pike said shepherds, shepherds? really. <laughs> That's what the Universal Translator calls them. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so I like that they called out that Universal Translator doesn't always know the exact word to use for, for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that yeah. bothered me, though, because, like, Pike's been out there for how many years now? And he doesn't know that. Like, you like, wait, you're called this? <laughs> Have you noticed he's speaking English, buddy? 
He has a universal transfer. Remember that stuff. He has people that do that for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, okay. So oh, you're right. The the uh, Iron Eyes Cody was actually born Espera de Corti, an Italian American who played Indians in both his life and on screen. Okay. I was wrong. He was not Jewish. He was he was Italian, and uh, he played well, Indians that, in his in, life and on screen. Not, yeah. <laughs> not that uh, okay. Jewish and Italian are religion and heritage. And sorry, well, but, Jewish is a heritage too. But, well, yeah, uh, yeah but, he could but not all not all Jews are that. are ethnically Israeli. Uh, so it, anyway, I I, he could I was both. wrong, and I apologize. No, I mean, he could be both. You're right. He could be <laughs> so. Um, okay, so Pike ends up negotiating the 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 shepherd with that the shepherds peacefully allow them to redirect the comet because they they make believe like they're they're by the comet. No, our ship is not working now. We need to we need you to help us get out of here. And and they end up pushing the uh, pushing the comet away. Spock is a uh, piloting a shuttlecraft that diverts the comet's course um a really cool scene too it but, was but i don't know where the hell it came from how did they know that heating up the comet would make it move that that i i granted i only had a chance to watch it once did i miss something where i was <laughs> I like how do you get out like sticking there like that what the huh <laughs> are you saying you need the scene where like the non-human character makes a inadvertently solves the the issue and then someone like jordy goes you're a genius all we have to do is do this <laughs> not necessarily Techno babble, techno just... babble. it's like blowing up a hot air balloon well why did they decide to send out a shuttle and make it hot that that was the part i needed a little bit of because they really wanted to show spot piloting through that <laughs> yeah i mean and... i love the interior of the shuttle because uh you know that 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 circular scanner thing on the side was right out of the Galileo seven, which I it is a Galileo. It actually, well, it was it the Galileo. I didn't, it is a Galileo actually. It Um, is that. Yeah. But you know, that I was like, he's on a shuttle sweet, but I kind of missed the point where they went, all right, we're going to send Spock out in a shuttle (laughs) and we're going to make the shuttle really hot. And that's going to change the orbit of the, of the, of the comet that, that I didn't, did, did I well, miss something? I what? missed like how they even like, he got there in the first place and something <laughs> was like sticking there. Like, it, it, it was, <laughs> it was reminding me, uh, it was reminiscent of uh, Empire Strikes Back when, yep. uh, when they float away with the trash away from the Star Destroyer. <laughs> that was kind of what I was being reminded of there. But. Yeah. To me and, and a lot of the modern Trek, I feel like, we don't have those a lot of those scenes that i was talking about where it's like they're sitting around a table they're having a long discussion and then mm-hmm. someone inadvertently says a thing and the techno babble and oh my god that's it and they're like okay well i guess i know we didn't know back then what the hell they were talking about yeah <laughs> they were just having a long discussion with techno babble none of that shit made any sense Okay, while we're on the subject, I mean, I knew you knew. (laughs) Yeah, but while we're on the subject of this particular scene, you remember they said, "Okay, our shields are at fifty percent. Now they're at forty percent. Now they're at twenty-five percent." And suddenly, Ortegas does the the maneuver thing, like where she, it, they, whatever is flying, which was sweet. But as much as the ship was getting hit with torpedoes and other asteroids. After about three hits, that ship would have been destroyed. I'm just saying, yeah. there was nine hits to the, to the ship. Well, the thing got... is, <laughs> something they have never been clear about is if your shields are down to a certain percentage, does that mean that they're less effective? Or does that just mean they're, they're as strong as ever, but they're about to be gone? It, it, it doesn't say i i, I it was I, at 25 before they even started flying through all yeah that stuff. but but does that mean that that they uh, are 25 percent as strong or is they'll they're 25 as long lasting the shields are energy based that's mm-hmm. like so i think it's they're just as strong but that you only have that amount like you, you it's just telling you how much you that's why they'll be like 25 percent ah jesus divert power from bullshit and put it into the shields notice whenever they say shut down all the power and like a few panels go off 
but the lights never go out. Nobody's like, yeah. it's not in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said life support, which probably does include temperature. Yeah. But I mean, like this, this LED light bulb here <laughs> will be not right with me on this. It will be as bright as it is until a millisecond before it burns out. Mm-hmm. So if it's down to 25%, does that mean it's 25% is bright or it has 25% left of its life? Well, it's like your phone battery. When your phone battery is at 25%, your phone still works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying they never really clarified that. Yeah. No, they haven't. But I was just like, after about three hits, as much as torpedoes were demolishing their shields, they would have been destroyed. Oh, like, yeah. For sure. And they're like, we can't take another hit. Until we take another five, because <laughs> the story's still going on. Well, they dropped yeah. it. They dropped it by too much at the beginning because it's right, like the first did. hit. They did. Like, the first, first hit is down to fifty percent. What? <laughs> I'm always going to die if they hit us again. Yeah. Except uh, we still got forty minutes of show left, so they can hit us a bunch more times. <laughs> so I'm always curious when they say divert power to the shields, and then like the lights like go off and then turn red. I'm like, do red? <laughs> do the red lights? Are they less power somehow than the yellow <laughs> yeah. ones? Well, you know what that comes from? That comes from submarine submarine movies. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It um, is effective, like dramatically. I'm like, well, oh shit, the lights are red. That means something's gonna happen. <laughs> well, it's like I, you know, I'm a lighting designer. In you know, I, it, it's like you know, I I do theater and I'm a lighting designer, and I have always wondered, even though I've used it myself, we accept that turning the lights blue on stage means it's night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could be as bright as it is. It's just as long as everything's blue, we go, okay, the lights are off. And if you watch TV, characters turn off a light and it goes black for a second and then everything comes up with this blue Mm -hmm. light. And we're like, Mm -hmm. all right, it's nighttime. You know, there are certain (laughs) conventions we, we just accept whether they make sense or not. And the red lights, you know, the whole point of that on submarines I don't, I don't quite understand why is, and, and I've used it myself. I, I, you know, if you've ever had a house or, or been in like a hotel room or something where it's got that stupid red heat lamp in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and you get up in the middle of the night, red light won't blind you. So if, if you like turn on the red light and then you turn it off, you don't lose your night vision. Mm-hmm. You don't have and to that turn was on kind the, of the whole light. point about the red lights in, <laughs> the, red in light, the submarine. Yeah. What? <laughs> You don't have to turn on the red light. You don't have to wear that dress tonight. <laughs> Wrong I, I, okay. I, I would love to see the the scene, the divert power, and they we, we show over and we, we pan, pan over and see like the cadet who's putting the red gels over the lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just a couple of switches, like <laughs> turns off one switch and there's another one says red lights, turn it on. Or, or someone's like brushing their teeth and suddenly the water stops. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't think that in any of the these uh, battle scenes, I don't remember seeing any exploding consoles. But there was smoke pouring out of the. Bathroom. I was wondering what that smoke yeah. was. I was but like, there were why no. Why is that even there? There were no rocks falling out of the ceiling. <laughs> no, there were no rocks. Yeah. And there was no fire shooting out of them like in yeah. Discovery. Well, we need something else in this scene. Oh, I remember in Wrath of Khan when that like steady stream of smoke was coming out of the, the ceiling. That was really dope. Yeah, let's do we that. didn't have. We also well, didn't did have that. shaky cam, where like everybody was like. I remember watching uh, <laughs> watching uh, Generations with my stepdad. Right, like right after it came out on video because i had gone to the store and bought a copy that day and we were watching it that night and there's a scene when uh, kirk is running through engineering and there's just steam pouring out of everywhere <laughs> and he's like why is why is there steam on a starship and i was like because they need something for the lights to bounce off of. <laughs> see i would have been the kid that was like it's not steam dad it's a coolant leak <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like uh, a balance of terror. Whenever the the Romulan ship got hit and plaster fell on the scene. Yeah. Oh, uh, even weirder on balance of terror is like, why are they all whispering? They're in space. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not in a submarine. <laughs> now, Uhura does. She she says that the uh, the comet knew this was going to happen. See, I, I kind of got a little bit confused right here. Right there. She's basically saying that the thing can tell the future and knew that they were going to do that. So that's what was always supposed to happen. 
but it, it did lead to Pike going to his quarters and pulling up the names of all of the people that he's supposed to save in that accident 10 years in the future. So I don't know if he's going to try and stop them from being there or yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, I, yeah, Jen, I was something. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Rick. Something you said at the beginning of the episode. Um, now, granted, we it is made pretty clear that the, the comet steers itself around the planet. Um, but entry into an atmosphere is actually really hard to do. It's got to be, if, if you come in at too shallow an angle, you'll, you know, and this was something the Apollo astronauts had a problem with. They were really worried about that. And with Apollo 11, they didn't know if it was going to work or not, because if you hit the atmosphere too shallow, you'll bounce off and just go into deep space and you're effed. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I would assume that the Enterprise had calculated the orbit, and they were like, "All right, this is gonna this is gonna plow into the planet." But it's it, it's you know it's a lot harder to hit a planet than it is to graze it. Yeah, they uh, one of the simulations they showed that thing it just kind of clipped the side of the planet, but the entire planet exploded. Boom! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the whole side of it just kaplooey. So, um, well, there's a lot of kinetic energy involved in in something coming in coming in from you know it think of think about it this way and that this was something I, I always had a problem with the the whole velocity equals mass kind of thing uh especially when when talking about light speed but then i realized if you've ever fired a gun okay the bullet is like a few grams but you're accelerating it at such a high velocity that it knocks you back that you know the kickback from the gun yeah so you know every action has an equal and opposite reaction just think about how much kinetic energy a bullet has and then multiply that by something that's a few kilometers and multiply it by several hundred thousand times because you're coming in at you know orbital velocity is seventeen thousand miles an hour and these things are going way faster than that like bullets are are slow motion compared to that like i was watching uh mech builders with jacob yesterday my grandson and elmo and cookie monster stopped an <laughs> asteroid with <laughs> bubble gum so. <laughs> all right uh, i hate elmo <laughs> <laughs> The Persephone system will later be visited by the USS Enterprise D as the ship picks up Admiral Mark Jameson and his wife Anne from planet Persephone 5 in the TNG episode two, uh, two short a season. What? Persephone. (laughs) It's Persephone. It's Persephone. (laughs) Um, Tricorders have a built-in defibrillator function, which can provide a shock through the handheld scanner as needed. A handy tool for dangerous way missions. They had defibrillator mode. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it, but I was like, when does that suit. become a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't um, it be, though? <laughs> <laughs> it's revealed in this episode that Pike learned the names of the cadets that he is destined to save. Some of these cadets include Dusty Swinder, To Kill Don, Mulik Al Alcazar, Yuto Hoshide, and Andrea Lopez. I went to school with those guys. <laughs> Malik Al Alcazar uh, lives on Tindara Colony, which is the future birthplace of Annika Hansen, aka Seven of Nine. Um, and then I've got all this stuff about Hammer. We've already we've already talked about that. Um, now Pike does make a deep cut when he bluffs the Shepherds into thinking the Enterprise will explode because of trilithium resin. I, I immediately thought of the carbamite maneuver. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the in trilithium resin isn't that specifically from Starship Mine what they were trying to, yeah. Trying to get well, actually, the they used trilithium yeah. a few times, but yeah, the whole, and it was the never the same was, thing, no, yeah, it never worked the yeah. same way. But the whole gambit came straight up, was straight out of the Corbomite maneuver, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, that's all I've got. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's where you'll find early access to episodes as well as our movie commentaries. Uh, we've got Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is out there right now. So you can join for $3 a month. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to download that stuff and watch it and enjoy it. And this and you month, know what? Uh, 
I, I feel so guilty about insisting we watch Kiss Beats the Phantom of the Park. I will, for 30 days, give a 10% discount on the price it costs to get me to come wash your car. <laughs> I was going to say that the um, uh, the thing we've kind of started doing, like two, like two movies ago, we did Ninja Turtles. And then we did Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. So I think we'll do two bad movies and one good movie. So the next bad movie that we watch will probably be my science project i don't know if you guys have ever seen that but a long time ago yeah i have (laughs) is that like a ripoff of of the uh what was the movie with uh, weird science no no it's not it's uh it they kind of form a team that uh has to like save yeah it's yeah all right um dave thanks for being here why don't you let everybody know where they can find you Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. I am uh, currently, you can listen to me. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Star Trek Universe podcast. Uh, me and my buddy, Matt, we've been talking about Star Trek since we were six years old. And uh, now you can listen to us talk about it. And uh, I don't know how to really hype that. But if that's something <laughs> you're into and you enjoy my strange, books. check it out. You can, uh, Thank you, man. God, he's just showering me in compliments today. <laughs> um, and if you're into DC comics, uh, I do a podcast called DC on screen where we talk about the DC comics, uh, multiverse on film and television and um, try to keep you up to date on all the BS with Amber Heard and Ezra Miller and what WB discovery is doing and how many shows they are canceling this week. <laughs> I know nothing about that show, but it's probably awesome too. Mm. <laughs> and uh you can also find me on Instagram at Drawing with Dave, where I draw things, Star Trek things, comic book things. Every once in a while, something else that the <laughs> algorithm hates, like in the heat of the night. <laughs> <laughs> like I drew a picture of Bubba Skinner. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jen, thank you for being here. As always, thank you for having me. <laughs> where can we find you? Uh, pretty much everywhere around here. I'm on this podcast. I'm on the Infant Potato podcast. I occasionally, I'm on Starbase 66 when we actually do it. And um, and uh, sometimes I'm on Captain Game Show. And sometimes I'm, I'm just around. So, yay. <laughs> All right. And Rick, where can we find you, sir? In theory, uh, Starbase 66. We haven't done one in a while. Um, also, uh, Open the Iris, the Stargate SG-1 watch-along show. Uh, also on Infinite Potato on uh, and this show, occasionally on Captain Game Show. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, or, you know, if you, if you fork over the bucks, I'll come wash your car. <laughs> and just to... Um... How much does that cost, Rick? Because... He doesn't know. I, I, he hasn't decided that, that's, yet. That's the mystery. <laughs> um, and just to just to point out, the name of the other podcast is Cosmic Potato. Even though it's been called Infinite Potato. Twice. Oh, I did say. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Cosmic Potato, check out that. Uh, that's our sister podcast. Check that out in this week because there will be a spoiler-filled review of Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness that we will be recording in just a few minutes so um, we'll we'll be back next week to talk about the next new episode of strange new worlds which is titled ghosts of illyria and i also i saw a bit of news that i know rick is gonna love um Mm -hmm. the fifth episode this season is called spock amok yeah and the showrunner or the co-showrunner came out yesterday and said that's going to be a romantic comedy and it's going to be a body swap episode. Oh, Lord. Mm. <laughs> Kirk and I'm not Kirk. Uh, Spock and uh, uh, what's, what, what's, her, what's her name? His, his, his woman's name? Yeah, to, to bring. They're going to swap bodies. Uh, oh. All right. Okay. So. Can I point out something? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little leery of all of these, of these Strange New Worlds uh, titles because the first episode, Strange New Worlds, the the world was very earth-like so it was not strange and it was not new all <laughs> right this week children of the comet there were no children and it wasn't a comet there was one child there was one child there was one child on the planet itself. 
And I don't know what Ghosts of Illyria is referring to, but we'll find that next week. There are no mm-hmm. ghosts. I will, I will if, if there's a crusher involved. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly, Tra- Beverly Crusher travels back in time so that she can screw that ghost. Oh, God, no. <laughs> light that candle. <laughs> don't light that candle. That was the real reason that she and Picard got divorced and all good things. Like, he, he couldn't compete with a candle, physically or spiritually. <laughs> He's like, God darn it, she's lighting that candle again. Well, she's either that or the trill. I mean, kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. All right, until you then. are not to light that candle. I'll use it another way, Jean-Luc. No! <laughs> <laughs> until they remember, sometimes things go so badly that you just have to laugh. <laughs>